you know, I just really again, I want to uh, probably just continue sharing what, from where I was sharing last time. Perhaps some more more testimony of what's happening in my life and what uh, what the Lord's showing me and how things are changing and transforming and and the acknowledgement of a of a it's a new and living way. It's it's different because it's God, not me. And um, just before I I, I say anything further. Last week we heard um, about two particular words. Anyone can give me one of those two words. Yeah, and what about the second one? Excellent. Who'd like to come and just give us a quick share on what Rhema has been spoken to them during the week? Because remember this is not about sitting here and getting the, the lines written down. It's about taking to life. And those words have become life in me. Because I'm believing that there's one disciple here. <laughs> I know there's more than one, but you know, you hear, hear my heart. I, I believe someone, come on, who wants to jump up and say, yes, God's speaking to me. No one here is going to put... Good on you. <laughs> um, this afternoon I went to Cass's house and... Um, uh, Maddie was showing me this song. It's called what is it called? Highlands by Hillsong. And afterwards, God's like read Psalm twenty three, and I like read it out loud. And I was feeling like a mess because I just had like anxiety like crazy this week. And he's like read read Psalm twenty three, and so I read it, and I just like I was just in a lounge. These two we were about to go for a walk, and I just like lost it. I was just like. Ah! <laughs> And like he just met me and like was like, that is yours and that is your portion. And I was kind of like, this is a really odd place to do this, God. Like it's not in the middle of church. It's not in the middle of like prayer meeting or something where you're ministering to me. But he's just like, listen and, and receive, like in the middle of the hardship, receive the word. And... um yeah, I just received it, and I was I was just like, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, he had been speaking to me about shame and letting that go and my dignity, and I was like, he's like, what do you want, dignity or my love and power in your life? And I'm like, I want your love and power, like, so, yeah, that was cool. Uh, it's awesome, isn't it? I, I got confronted with that years and years ago, and uh, to be uh, set free, delivered from something. And the guy looked me in the eyeballs when I'm standing on stage in front of what felt like fifty thousand people. Says, "What do you want? Your dignity, or to be set free?" <laughs> <laughs> I choose you, Lord. <laughs> set free like that, powerfully. So, bless you. Just receive that word, you know. During the week, I was listening to Shane and Shane, N, not M, Shane and Shane, and listening to them, Psalm 23, and singing that song, you know. Um, no, won't sing it. And so, <laughs> and so, <laughs> but but it, it gets to the uh, point where I'm singing. I realise that it's, it's talking about I'll prepare a table for you. In the presence of your enemies. So to eat the banquet that's prepared on that table, where do you have to be? In the presence of your enemies. Because that's where that table is. I'll have the table. Not that table. 
there's only that table is in that place. And I promise you that I will prepare a place for you in the presence of your enemies. You're not after the table, you're after him. He is that table, he is that banquet. And you discover that table in the presence of your enemies. Man, I found that this week. I really did. I was singing it, and, and that, like, it just went like that. Boom, there's a rhema. Oh, I'll answer my own question. I can give you a rhema. I'll prepare a banquet for you, a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Oh, where do I have to be for that table, Lord? <laughs> I'll show you. It's real. He is real. The banquet is the food, the substance of him. The eating of that substance produces a harvest of righteousness, the life of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit, long-suffering, able to bear, love that's able to bear faults that are coming against you. Even as, as Peter cries out, when you're the innocent party, and, and because you're able to bear what's coming at you, why? Because there's a, a, um, uh, this production of righteousness, this harvest of righteousness that's coming inside you because you're eating from a banquet, a food source that's not of the physical, and that's something I want to touch on um, tonight. But anyway, so these nights are for our edification, our building up for a reason, for a purpose, yeah, that we'll come to know God and that we're being prepared for him. Remember, the Father is looking for something, somebody. He's looking for the bride for his son. And I know the other week he was just telling me, speaking, says that my bride will be beautiful. Son, she will be beautiful. Don't you want to be a part of the kingdom? Come on, everybody. Those who know will be putting the tune to that. You know, don't, do you, don't you want, and the bride has made herself ready. She has washed her robes. Where? In the blood of Jesus Christ. And that he's washing his bride, being prepared and being made ready for him. Am I a willing party? Or am I like a two-year-old squiggling and squirming in the bath? You know, it's a good thing that most two-year-olds don't have a decent head of hair. Cause <laughs> 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 Stop wriggling. and <laughs> shot out of the bath. <laughs> but we're like that. We can be like that. I'm trying to wash you. Stop wriggling and scriggling. There's no use grabbing those puny little wrists. They're covering soap. Oh, they pop away. You know, son, just stop wriggling. Stop squiggling. Surrender. Lean back into my arms because you know me. Lead the people to me, son. Why? Stop leading them to the lost. Lead them to me. Why? Because they don't know me. When you know me, you'll surrender. You'll lean back into the arms of a loving father. A lot of us, I believe, have got a warped, twisted view of the father's heart of God. Not just of God, of what a father's heart is. And even in a Christian context, knowing the father's heart, I believe that there's a, a lack of understanding of what that actually means, or the fullness of that. Well, not a capacity of it, but not the fullness of it. Um, <clears throat> so we're looking at our series through the book of Ephesians so we know that um, that we're his workmanship, his poem created in Christ for good works prepared in advance so that we could walk in them. 
and in uh, 1 John talks about that we will walk the same as Christ. So this, these series, the teaching, the eating, the feeding, and all this is so that it's going to produce something in us that I will be fully equipped in him as his son. When the father sends his son out, I was just reading, I was, I was praying this morning, if you were here, you would have heard, um, listening and listening and listening and listening, well, assuming you would have heard. <laughs> um, uh, through through the book of Hebrews, man, do you know how live the book of Hebrews is? Come on, man. <laughs> you know, it takes a lot to get these two things off the ground at the same time. But man, the book of Hebrews, man, listen to it. It, is, it starts off amazing. You know, God has given us everything in Jesus. He's given now for it to be spoken in Jesus Christ. Not just that Jesus stand out going blah 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 blah. It's in Jesus, been revealed in him. Everything else through Hebrews then lays that out and blows it in here. Man, he's been given a name that's higher than angels. I mean, let's not forget, one night, one angel wiped out over 180,000 people like that. So, you know, if you think you're going to stand up against Satan and go, you know, just remember he was angel at covenant. It's a cherubim. Cherubim is not this cute little chubby bubby with a bow and arrow. <laughs> Cherub is a warrior. All right? Now, we don't have to fear him, but it's greater is he who is in us than he who is in him. But he's clearly laying out that Jesus himself, God himself, was made a little lower than angels. That's why the angels would ask, what is mankind that you would be mindful of him? Look at them. Not only look at them, you've become them. What is man that you would be mindful of them? Well, I'll tell you what we are. We're recipients of his love, formed and made in his likeness and image, to bear his likeness and image, and to be brought into the fullness of him, that we can be one within him, that we're able to manifest the wisdom of God, who he is. And it'll be manifest through us. We're the recipients of his love. And out of that, he becomes the recipients of our reciprocal love back to him because it's the love that he's placed in us. So then he's giving us, he's telling us that man, that Jesus was made a little lower than angels, and yet the first covenant, man, I don't know why, this is not what my message is about, that the, the first covenant was given in a way that uh, it covers the outside. And it was very powerful. I mean, Moses had a, a, a glory that shone from his face that he covered, he covered with the veil so that they wouldn't see that glory fading. He knew how powerful his glory was. He didn't want them to see the glory of God fade. Moses knew it. I don't want you to see it fade. That's what the veil was about. And that was given by angels, and that was powerful. But it was never, ever, 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 ever going to make the inside of the cup clean. That was waiting as was promised and declared through the very scriptures and through the Torah itself and through the promises and the covenant that was given. There's one coming that's going to deal with the inside of the cup and it is going to be much greater than the first because it's not going to come via angels. It's going to come via God himself through Christ. And it's a new covenant. If it's new, the other one's old. Now, it's the same thing, speaking right the way forward, but it's not resting on this. It, that was a tutor to guide us, to lead us to this. And I was saying this morning, man, I wish I could do computer graphics and show it. It's clear to me. It's like a, a milk bottle. You dunk it in the mucky mud and you stick it on the outside. And because we are in the world, 
Why did Jesus wash the disciples' feet? And then after that, uh, during that process, say to Peter, you're already made clean. Your body, you're made clean. I don't need to give you a bath. I'm going to wash your feet. Two things are going to happen out of this. I'm going to give you an example of humility, and that's really what tonight's message is supposed to be about. Um, is about humility, something that I want you to grasp and see to understand. The other one is where your feet attach to. They're grounded to the world. And you're going to be, need to be washed from the stuff of the world because you have been made clean by my word and you're bathed in my word. And so we've got the stuff of the world and the Torah was dealing with wiping the outside of this milk bottle, but you can clean all the outside of the milk bottle, but it's still going to look muddy because the rubbish is on the inside. But you're not going to be able to achieve it with the sacrifice of, uh, of the blood of bulls and cows and calves and all the rest of it and a dove and, and whatever. That's not going to deal with the inside. You Pharisees, why are you worrying about the outside? Worry about the inside. Get the inside clean and the outside will take care of itself. And I know you can't. That's why I'm here. I'm here for you. So that you can be free from inside for so you're busy scrubbing the outside of the, of the bottle. And you're wondering why is it still dirty? Because all the rubbish is still getting flung at it. And then the bottle brush comes. <laughs> it's clear. Yes it is son. I have made, this is the new covenant, this is why it's so powerful. I will do what that can't. I'll deal with the issue that's in the heart, it's inside of you. That's why the glory is so much more glorious. Out of this glory, now into this glory. And now I'll grow in my knowledge, my knowing and the understanding of that. And I know that this is part of the uh, something that is happening here throughout our community as people are going, I'm hearing this. I feel like I'm still here. I know I'm supposed to be here. And at times I experience that I'm here. But how, can't, how come I'm not here? It's because the Spirit is alive within you. And the Spirit is jumping. Yes. It's still stuck over here somewhere. <laughs> okay, we need to lean more into the Father. <laughs> we really do need to lean more into him and allow the Holy Spirit now to do the work that the Holy Spirit does, not me, not you. Now I'm lost. <laughs> um, okay, so this whole, whole trend. So it's not going to just happen. You don't just... Well, it's short of an absolute power-packed miracle of God. And I would say that in most cases that the divine nature of God, the character of God is formed in you so that it's sure, steadfast, and it's a work of the Holy Spirit, not of you, and it's formed deep. The roots of it run deep grounded, rooted and grounded in love in Jesus Christ, our sure foundation. And when we know that that's where our root system is grounded in, then the tree will be strong and there's a process that, you know, I've, like I've planted um, heaps of vegetables and that through the through the summer and just planted some more, but they're still only little. And put root blast in, that's going to drive the roots down so that the rest of the, uh, of the plant is going to grow strong. But I didn't plant them one day and go out and go, 
Oh, stupid plant. <laughs> Where's my full-grown cabbage? <laughs> it takes time. So we're going to be built up. And we're going to be built into something. Listen to this. When I read this again the other day, I thought, oh, my goodness. Built up, Ephesians 4:12 to 13, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we, we, all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. <laughs> do you want some of this? Do you want it? I oh, know you do. <laughs> I mean, come on, the fullness of God. How big is God? Maybe that is a question for us. Why? How big is your God? You know? If it's safer to contain him here because I'm, I'm okay here, then my God is here. But our God's uncontainable. And we have to come to the wholeness, to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is huge, man. As I say, I've been listening to this, listening, so I can't help but get away from this Lord. I just put it over repeat and listen to it, and I'll be half asleep going to, what? What? <laughs> oh, no, now I'm awake again. All right, okay, back to sleep. Oh, something else. This is awesome. I mean, it might sound weird, but man, come on, do it. I'll tell you, I'm struggling to get through this, man, because I know something has changed. <laughs> I want to try and at least contain something of what I was saying. I tell you this, this one thing too: that if if you are struggling, if you're hearing these words, and I know someone saying that, you know, look, I hear this, and I and I hear that, and I know this is the ideal, this is something that someone's got to, but I feel frustrated, and then I feel like I want to be there. Then I, something rises up in me, I feel, oh, oh, I can't be there. I'm not going. That's called condemnation, and I know that there's no condemnation in Christ. There's conviction, so I'm feeling convicted, but I feel condemned about being convicted. And it's like, oh, what am I going to do? Ah, it sounds like Paul. Don't you think he was there? Oh, what a wretched man am I? I end up doing the things I don't want to do. And the things that I do want to do, I'm not doing, but I do do, do what I don't do. Huh. What I do do. <laughs> and he says, oh, what a wretched man am I. Who will save me? Oh, thanks be to God. It's Jesus Christ who has brought me into him. So I'm going to stop the struggling and I'll find something that Christ promises us. And this is, again, this is the power that comes with the gospel. It says, look, if you're weary and burdened and heavy down, weighed down and heavy laden, then come and yoke yourself with me. For my way is stressful and difficult and you'll struggle and be even more, no, my way is easy. My burden is light. And we miss the next few lines. Come on, Greg, what is it? Learn from me. Oh, I got yoked. You imagine those, some of those big bullocks that you are yoked with. Let's assume it's not going to turn around and trample on you. Okay, so you're yoked. You're strapped to the yoke of this thing. Dangling there. <laughs> how, how much influence do you think you're going to have on that bull? Okay, let's go left. 
All right? Let's go right. (laughs) When you're yoked with Jesus, he is going to lead you. I did say to Paul, I love this to Paul, 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 why are you persecuting? Where was Jesus? Jesus wasn't on the scene. Where was Paul beating Jesus up? Jesus had identified fully with his body. He said, what? He said, stop kicking against the goads. Stop it. I might have to do something to you to get your attention. And then boom. <laughs> you know? So that key part, must learn not to drink fizzy water when I'm speaking because the inevitable happens. <laughs> um, to learn. So now I'm yoked with Jesus, but the point is not just to get dangle there and get dragged around. The point is to realize, what are you doing? Okay, this is how you do this. Yeah, or like a puppet. Problem is, the puppet is really crying out, I want to be a real boy. <laughs> you know, Father hears that cry, because until that point, we are. Then the Spirit of God comes and it makes us alive and suddenly the, the strings are let go. You are a real boy, son. Stop acting like a puppet because my Spirit is alive in you and I call you my son. You are a real boy. Now learn from me because when you learn from me, you lay down your life and you'll learn from me and you'll find there's a, you'll reap a harvest of righteousness. Me, that banqueting table that I'm talking about, it's me. Eat of me and my life will be formed in you and you'll walk in the divine nature. Part of the difficulty we have, and, and I know you've, we've heard Greg talk about this, is that as we leave this kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, the world, and we come into the kingdom of light, but our head has been fully implanted in here. And we have to turn something up the other way around. Please don't hear what I'm not saying here. That whole system of education brings us through and we gradually get more intelligent as we mature up. We end up going through the school system and we carry on to tertiary education. We get um, degrees and degree with honours and um, a master's degree and a doctorate and to a professorship or whatever. As we keep going through that, greater, greater accolades, greater pay and recognition as you go through that. Now, it's understandable, except that is not how it works in the kingdom because that all deals with this. So if we, when we bring that mentality into here, he's got to turn that upside down and say, this is not how this works. You know, when you go to, um, when you go to um, predominantly the trade schools, like I'm a plumber, went through trade school, they work on a system there predominantly through these, what used to be indentured apprenticeships, so you're signed over to somebody and you, and you work now in an apprenticeship with a person. And the system there basically goes, son, here's this, here's, uh, this is how this is going to work. Watch me. I'm, watch me, I'll do this. Right, your turn. You do, I watch. Great. Your turn to teach him. You teach him, I'll watch. 
great. Now I know you've got it. Now you do. Now it's experiential. You're physically, you're doing this. Actually, no, it's, it's awesome. Fantastic. Let me show you where some things need some addressing. Okay, it's great. Now, do it again. Awesome. Teach him, show him, get him to do it. Great. You're, it's fine. See, it becomes experiential. It's something that you know. Now, when we realize and know that this is relationship-based, it's not, I, I'm not understanding. Well, actually, this has been my experience in an apprenticeship. <laughs> and unfortunately, this is the problem. That experiential knowledge gets dragged into here. Oh, I love you, Father. Really? kind of doesn't look like it. <laughs> you know? Well, I know I'm supposed to. And I want to learn from you, yoked. But I'm really worried that you're going to me. Because it was not very pleasant. Now, don't get me wrong. Even the word tells us that God will chastise us, that he will discipline us. And that word is not, it's not a pleasant word. But he, the, the context in which and how he's saying it, it geared around love, not I hate you. I hate what you've done. As I'm so desperate for you. I need to get your attention and, and get your inside an, uh, an understanding where I love you. I know that this week, and I felt that, that ugh, pressure, while he's drawn me into him and just surrendered to a place of brokenness, Son, it's beautiful. I know you're back where I need you to be and you can hear my heart. I love you. Yes, Lord, my Father. I can lean back, feel his breath on me. And now I can be yoked with Jesus and learn of him. Lord, teach me, show me. Holy Spirit, fill me and let me know while I'm yoked with Jesus and I can walk according to your way. Lord, you know, um, Clay spoke here one night and we were talking about uh, the, the, the Trinity, I think it was actually, and he talked about dancing, ballroom dancing. You know, again, I, I guarantee no two people decided, um, you and Rodney, get up and do a ballroom dance. Where you go. <laughs> Pretty safe bet you do. I mean, doing a whole lot of ballroom dancing together, right? <laughs> and so... The ballroom dancers would have had to learn, had to practice, and had to get to a point where they understand how this works. Now, one has to take the lead. You can't have two trying to lead. Otherwise, the ballroom dance is going to look like this. (laughs) We're the bride. He will lead us. He will lead us. When I submit to his leadership, I'm yoked to him, and I feel him going, Lord, we're going left. Lord, we're going backwards. I've, I've, I've felt this again this week. So one of the things that we need to um, understand too is how he's speaking to us, how he um, brings a change to us. How he brings a change to us through, this, through the Rema word. I, I just want to read this because I thought this was really quite uh, important. 
It's by the Holy Spirit. It says, it's, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. We'll meditate on that for a while. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, uh, who did not believe, and who would betray him. And you want to, you want to see love bearing in action? How about that? And then he says to him, sorry, Sam Judas, (laughs) go do what you have to do. I know. Everyone else going, what's he doing? Going to buy bread or something? Down the wine shop, buy more wine? What's going on here? Jesus knew. So did Judas. Who was bearing everything? Knowing what his friend was going to betray him. Boy, you talk about love bearing all things? He could have... (laughs) Live a Liverpool kiss (laughs) Judean kiss He gave him a real kiss of friendship Freedom to choose Freedom to deny himself Not sell him out for 30 pieces of silver Which did him no good The spirit, the, the words are spoken as spirit, so they're understood by the spirit. It's by the Holy Spirit we speak, we receive revelation, teaching from the kingdom of heaven, not by process and methods we learn in the kingdom of the world. It's just that the ink on the page doesn't change your heart and mind, the spirit does. The Holy Spirit reveals the word to you and the ink on the page becomes known and alive. Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, the ink on the page. His disciples think about yeast and bread because they don't have any literal bread with them. Yeast puffs up. It's an example of pride. Pride puffs up. Jesus responds, Oy vey. You just saw me feed upwards of 20,000 people with barely enough food to feed 20. Don't you think I can give us bread (laughs) if we need bread, even if you don't have any here? I'm not talking about bread. I'm talking about the yeast, the teaching of the Pharisees. So right now he's just given us a real key, a real explanation of what the ink on the page meant. Because he just told them, he says, beware of the yeast. Now he's just told them what he meant, what yeast means. So we've still got ink on the page, the word, and we've still got an understanding of ink on the page, words. So they understand what he's saying now, and the ink on the page is understood in the mind. They take this on board. When they're hearing a message, they hear... And by this, this spirit is alive, and they hear a word that is not of the Holy Spirit, but is teaching of the Pharisee. They recognize this as in this in the spirit and reject the word. The ink on the page has been, has been spoken about. They reject the word, um, and the teaching is rejected. Now, the word "beware of the yeast of the Pharisees," the rhema of it, has actually just become alive in them. It's no longer ink on the page, but it's a rhema. It's a living word alive in them. 
Now another um, application of that is what we heard this morning. You know, we heard this word, um, a store, how do you say it? The, the word I was trying to pronounce, stego, I keep saying storge, it's, that's about love, stego, it's a bit like sago, 60 lungs. <laughs> it's, it's, we, so we heard this word on the page and then we heard an explanation of it. When that has become a rema of in you, you will be in a situation where love is going to require you to cover and to be watertight and to be able to shield and to be able to bear all things. And now that ink on the page has just become alive in you. And now it's a living word. It's no longer something that you're saying, well, let me tell you about covering over you. Actually, right now, I probably don't need you telling me about it. It's going to be a hang on a lot softer if you be it. Right? Yeah, but it's much easier for me right now to tell you about it. I know, because you don't have the revelation of this in you, the living word. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us so that he come and could come and dwell in us. You know, oh Lord. When Mary saw Jesus from the tomb, he had risen from the tomb, and she went looking for him, and she eventually she sees him, and she recognizes Rabboni, and she runs up, and she's grabbing him, and he's saying to her, Mary, <laughs> he's saying, Mary, let, let, don't hold on to me. You've got to let me go. I know what you want. She loved him. She didn't want him to go. In fact, I'd say that love that she had for him, she wanted far more intimacy. Now, he knew that. But he had to say to her, I know what you want, but you're going to have to let me go so I can give you a greater thing than the thing that you want. And what you really want, I'm going to satisfy because I will be in you and the two will become one just not the way you think it will be. So let me go. I'm going to go to the Father and I'm going to send my Spirit who will comfort you and I, my Father, and the Spirit will make our home in you. So the Son, the Word has become flesh and dwelt within us. So, getting to a place where we hear these words. We're talking about... um, um, drawing from the the wellspring of life, and we've heard all sorts of different ways that people are walking. Listen, what I have just been through just recently, and and I guess you might have heard on the Wednesday, and they're crying out in the prayer, and for a long time now, just seeking the Lord, and having lived for a long time in the kingdom of light, with the heads stuck in the kingdom of the world somewhat, and trying to walk this walk this way. In fact, applying some things, the only way I knew how to get to a point where I need to be broken to actually learn from him. Now, one of the beauties of that is this whole thing of that needing to walk together and, and having someone who's walked a walk ahead of me and then being at least willing to, to, to see and to hear and go, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. Okay, 
then there's something I need to do here as well as I, as I seek the Lord. And it's requiring something. Have a look and t- turn, uh, I love this, uh, turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles. <laughs> I've never yet seen anybody turn inside a Bible, but anyway, everyone says it. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible, to James 4, 6, 8. This got prayed out at the prayer meeting. It was so encouraging this week as I was seeking, Lord, what are you, what are you saying? Hopefully I got the reference right because the printing of my Bible is so tiny I need different glasses. James 4, 6, 8. But he gives greater grace, therefore God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the... Mm. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The key, the key, the key, the key is humility. 1 Peter, just over the page a bit. 1 Peter 5, 5, 6. This one I know was speaking to me. You younger men. (laughs) Oh, you're so slow. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another for God opposed is opposed to the proud but he gives grace to the <clears throat> to the humble both those guys are quoting from Proverbs 3.34 though he scoffs at the scoffers yet he gives grace to the afflicted or to the humble and one of the keys I've learned, and I, I love to, you know, Greg brought this message a long time ago, and for some reason, and I think because it's Rhema, it's Psalm 51, it's just gone, and it's stuck right in here. Surely, and it's a memory verse from a long time back, but, you know, surely you desire um, uh, truth in the inner parts, wisdom in the most place. Surely you desire this, God. Yes, I do. It is what I want. Who is the wisdom of God? Jesus, I want to be in your heart. I want to be in you. Yes. Then what's preventing this? Something a little bit further on, Psalm 51. Sacred religion. I am not after religious activity, religion. The sacrifice of bulls and all, oh, you're wonderful, wonderful, marvelous. It's not what I'm after. But a broken spirit and a contrite heart. That brokenness, that humility, then I can work in your heart and bring this wisdom and the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. He'll be alive within your heart, but there's a humility that I've discovered needs to take place. Oh, and I said last time I spoke, I think, that I was was quite proud of my humility. (laughs) That's a problem. It's a spiritual problem. It can be because it's so easy to get to a point where I think I know. And so my prayer, I've been crying out, 
desperate for God. Father, show me what I think I'm in that I'm not. Least I be found out when I stand before you. And what I am and show me that I would know that I am in you. But don't leave me where I've discovered now that I'm not in something that I thought I was. You don't want to leave me here. You want to fill me to the fullness, the full measure of Christ. So you'll continue to work, but there was something that was in the way. There was a, a stone blocking the well. And I needed it to be spat up, dug up, rooted up, got out of the way so that it can flow out of me. Now Sandra, I think, was speaking about the, the um, vine and how the, the father comes. He's called a, a husbandman, the vine dresser. The word is husbandman of the garden. You want to think about the garden of Eden. I'm looking at them right now. You're beautiful in his eyes. Have a look at the, the DVD, the thing on the shack where he's talking about the garden. It's you, son. And you're his garden. And he wants to produce a crop of righteousness and you're bearing much fruit. When you look at a vineyard, the, the difference between a, a vineyard vine growing and the one in my garden, they've got a squillion little ones. They want much fruit, a short capacity of vine, and I'll just keep repeating all of that. Me, I've only got one, well, I've got two actually, but I need as much fruit as I can on the whole thing. And you, and you work your little tail off trying to keep it in line, because if you don't, if I miss one shoot, and I discover it now when all the leaves are falling off all the other trees, here's my vineyard, and one leader has decided it's got a mind of its own, and it's taken off up inside the neighbor's olive tree. Oh, goodness. Do you know what that's going to do? It's going to produce not fruit down here. So the husbandman who knows this has to prune. And also the word means to clean. I have to clean this area for that fruit to be rich and vibrant and full and lush because I am the gardener and I know what that vine needs. And so I can trust my life to him. But I need to be in this place of humility for him so that the rock can get spat out of the way so that the stream, the living water can flow freely from me. So to know, to know a knowledge, to know God requires something to happen with inside of me. And I'm not going to go through all the stuff that I had there. But I just want to quickly talk about something that's going to help us get to the point where we are able to at least recognize this key of humility. Um, sorry, could you fill the cover? Thanks. Um, that there's the key of humility to actually allow myself to be ministered to by the Lord. Something that I need to... Um, sorry, oh, thanks. Yeah, that's fine. Um, back on track. Yeah, so in Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.8. Maybe have a look at that. More turning with me in your Bibles. 4.8 For I ate the word and it did me good. (laughs) 
come on, there's this, there's a sailor who <coughs> climbs, starts his very first job and he climbs up the mast and he gets to the top of the mast to undo the, the sail and he slips and he falls from the top of the mast through the deck down into the galley and oh, and the, the old chef's there goes, oh, are you all right? No, not really. As they cart him off to hospital, he's in hospital for a few weeks and he comes back and gets another job. They said, well, we need you to climb up the top and undo the mast. Oh yeah, I can do that. Up the top, undoing the sail, slips through the deck, down into the galley. The chef's there and he's going, you all right? No, not really. Oh, off to the hospital. There for the hospital a few days, comes back, first time on the ship again. Oh, look, I need you to climb up, undo the sail. All right. <laughs> Up he goes, undoes, slips, through the deck, down to the galley. You all right? No, not really. Okay, off to the hospital. A few more weeks, comes back, busted hips, broken leg, and plaster. Can I have a job? You all right? No, not really. Why, what's the matter? Well... I've been through a few hardships lately. <laughs> boom, boom. I tell you. Now bring it back. <laughs> For all those who are just working it out. That was me. That was me these few weeks. I've been through a few hardships lately. <laughs> Just not those boats. I've been through some hardships and I'm discovering what these verses mean. 1 Timothy 4.8. Now you may be able to tell by this incredibly buff body that's before you. Physical exercise has some value. I remember a friend telling me, the version we read, it says, physical exercise has little value. It says, see, it has little value, so it's got some value, all right? So we're sticking with it. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is valuable in every way because it promises life both in the present and for the future. So you're left asking the question, we know what physical exercise is, then what is spiritual exercise? As it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. The Old Testament, it's, it's ripe with physical examples of spiritual realities for us to recognize so we can live in the reality of this. I mean, coming out of Egypt into the promised land, we heard this morning, is powerful. The promised land. Right here. So, when you think of the, you know, of the of the gym, going to the gym. <laughs> behave yourself, Greg. <laughs> you know that we can we can study up and look and find all the right gyms to go to. Finally, pick a gym. We can go in. We can buy all the protein shakes and all the right food. We can read all the magazines. We can attend and go to uh, all the gym uh, buildings. We can hang out with all the buff people that hang around at the gym and do all the gym stuff. And we can talk with them and we can pick up the lingo and we can share the lingo with all our friends that we you know, hang out with during the week and tell all the gym type stories and tell them all about how great this is. It's awesome. 
It says, there's one thing missing. <laughs> Even pay my fees, my weekly fees. Go to the gym, great, you know. Protein shakes, bro, that's where it's at, man. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about your exercises. What? <laughs> you actually have to do the exercises right, for it to be of value. And so we have this thing called spiritual exercise. Perhaps, what do you think maybe some spiritual exercises may be? Anybody? One. Give me one. I'm going as fast as I can, bro. (laughs) Prayer. Yeah, listening, receiving. We heard um, the other um, evening about listening. Who, who, and be honest, don't put your hand up, just be honest with yourself, who at times finds it difficult to be still and listen? It's a spiritual exercise. It's a prayer, fasting, listening, reading his word. A discipline to to, 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 to desire. At the very least, with a, a knowing of a, this discipline needs to kick in so I can actually start the journey as I come to know you, Lord. Jesus learnt by obedience. Sometimes we forget Hebrews 5 talks about with many prayers and cries throughout the days of his life on earth that he cried out to his father, the one who could save him from death, knowing that he need to live in a life of discipline of the Holy Spirit of what he was going to achieve. Yet for the joy set before him, he despised the cross and its shame on the shame. I will go to the cross for you. Because I know what is ahead of the cross. So I will go. For no greater love has a man to lay down his love. And he'll lay down his love for in that while we yet his enemies. He loves me. And he wants me to have this. Him in me. And so he speaks of this discipline. So the fasting. One of the things that I and I know that as I was crying out to the Lord, he said, son, you know what to do. I, I knew. I knew he was talking about fasting. What do you mean? <laughs> you know what to do. Now, I've fasted before. And I, look, I'm saying this because I, will, I really want you to hear the purpose of the discipline. Not so that you can hear I fasted. In fact, it tells you if you're fasting, don't let anyone know. Put your makeup on, put your glad rags on, and don't let them know. Your Father in heaven who sees what you do in secret, he knows and he will reward you. So hear what I'm saying. This is for your encouragement and for your edification. And our hope is that you will lay hold of this. It becomes your reality. So I said, Lord, I've fasted before. I, I really don't want to do that again. Son, you know what to do. Because he'd been speaking to me about all sorts of spiritual discipline. And what the the purpose of. Now previously, excuse me, previously the the purpose of it of going into some discipline was to achieve some outcome. I I really want this, whatever the thing is, I want this. And God's always the one who's going to provide that anyway, but he's much, much more. And what he's really after is my intimacy with him, not the toy. Now the toy might be absolutely incredible and it might be some some fantastic, very spiritual thing but 
he still wants intimacy with me, not the thing. He was always able to do the thing. And so recognizing that this time to go into a time of fasting and say, actually, okay, Father, I will. But really, though I have this thing on my mind about what I, I really kind of need some sort of resolution in, Lord, I want to do this. I want to know you. I want to know your love. I want closeness with you because I know out of that this other will come. So my heart's desire, desire is to know you. So I fasted. So I went on a total fast, just basically water. And, you know, there are all types of fasting, a total fast, bread and water, whatever, go off meat, go off coffee, go off TV, go off Women's Day, I don't know, whatever you read. Um, yeah, Jim Mags, whatever it is. <coughs> I mean, it's something, it's whatever he's, he's laying on your heart, where you, Lord, because it's a sacrifice of the heart. He will lead you in a spiritual discipline that might go from lifting um, 2 kg weights to 25 kg weights. Someone who can barely lift a 2 kg weight's got no hope of lifting 25. So let's start where you can start. Your father loves you. I don't give a 25 kg weight to my three-year-old grandson and go, what's wrong with you, boy? Lift it, man. I love him. He loves us. And so as I've been fasting, and it's been bizarre. I'm hungry. Now, I like my food. I love my barbecue. <laughs> it's a big charcoal barbecue with a rotisserie on it. <laughs> I love my food. So to not be hungry, when I fasted before, I've been hungry. I just wasn't hungry. Full three days I went through. And I didn't have, like, I don't wake up in the morning, there was, you know, a band of angels appeared. Da, 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 da. <laughs> And now the Lord says, Thus saith the Lord. Oh, none of that. Not this. Not this time. I'm not going to say that can't happen or won't happen. But he was after my heart. And I surrendered to him. There's no great thing that happened except, Lord, I'm satisfied with you. I am satisfied in you. Basically, the next day, I had to go on a, on a long trip. I picked somebody up, and to cut a really long story short, they just started asking question after question after question, and I'm going, this is different. <laughs> what is this piece that you have? Where does that come from? How do you get it? <laughs> well, do you really want... We've got like six hours travel time, <laughs> and I can fill every minute of it. <laughs> yes, yes. I didn't realize how desperate this person was. I found out later on. So we just shared, 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 shared. About halfway through the trip, this person says, I want what you've got. I need him. Tell me, what do I do? I said, you cry in prayer. I know of a guy. This was his prayer. You want my life? I don't want it. Sucks. Here, you have it. <laughs> it's one of the most powerful guys I know. Speaking of a, a walking and a living demonstration of Christ. Well, that wasn't a very righteous you know, sinner's prayer, let me. <laughs> I mean, 
It's after the heart. So the heart cries out and God hears it. So this person prayed. It's led in a very simple prayer. Now, this head head kicked back into action. (laughs) And I'm thinking in here, all right, believe and get baptized. How on earth am I going to do that? How do I broach that subject while we're driving? And I'm keeping driving. How am I going to Hmm, Got to get baptized. All right, what's that? Actually, I'm going to just chill out a bit here. Okay, (laughs) let's chuck that out and go, Father, I know that you're in this. So you will take care of that. That's fine. I'll let that go. The person then, a bit further on, about three quarters away, says, can I stop at a river because it's where our family used to go for holidays and I want to I hop in the river. And I said, are you joking? It's like about half a degree off freezing. <laughs> no, 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 we'll stop and check. I said, all right. I brought my togs. <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> anyway, so we park, stop there, get out. They get out. Go and hop in the river, and they go, yeah, I want to do it. I said, okay. (laughs) God's been speaking to me since we prayed that prayer. Because he said, you believe and be baptized. He said, really? Can we do that now? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have you got your togs? No, I've got my pajamas. (laughs) 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 Which is... uh, a full woolen onesie with a button. <laughs> so I started singing. I started singing, Come on, brother, we'll go down. We'll go down to the river to pray. <laughs> Let's go down. Anyway, she goes, gets togs, and I get changed, and then just right there and then in the river. I had the privilege of baptizing this person. And said, oh, I want it all off. I'm going under again. <laughs> and we got out. And next thing, a family turns up and goes swimming. I'm like, wow, your timing is perfect, Lord. Now, I'm not saying that my f- fasting caused that to happen. What I'm saying is that I was in a place that God, through a place of humility before him, had prepared my heart for a good work, prepared in advance for me to be done, that I had no knowledge of. I couldn't have organized that. I tried. I'll tell you, those ones are abysmal failures. <laughs> Shocking. Oh God. Aren't you glad we have a loving father? I get to this other place and the person I'm staying with starts asking me the same questions. What? <laughs> okay. That's brilliant. And then, then just recently... I was staying away and had the privilege of, I just got up early one morning and walked down the beach and my heart is crying out, Lord, there's a lifestyle of walking with you. I'm crying out for this. I want you, the reality of you in me walking every minute. This old guy sitting at the bottom of a sand dune, some tell you this, and I'm just standing at the top thing and I'm thinking he's trying to come up. He's got bandy legs, shorts and a PVC yellow jacket and a old... <laughs> Walking sick and he's doing this thing. Okay, he's charging up to get up the hill <laughs> and wait for him. So and up he comes and he gets up the top where I am and says, Oh, well done, you made it. Oh, yeah, not bad for an old fellow with three broken ribs. And immediately the Lord said, Pray for him. I said, Oh, how'd you get three broken ribs? Oh, I fell off my bike. <laughs> I'm thinking, What are you doing riding a bike? <laughs> oh, everybody says that. <laughs> And he says, oh, Christ, it's this and that and the other thing, you know. I said, well, let me tell you about Christ. 
He loves you, man. He loves you more than you can imagine. Oh, look, I heard a lot about him. You know, run rehab things and da-da-da. You know, he's probably the only one that can heal me. Well, why don't we let him? All right. <laughs> okay. Oh, I don't know, you know. Should have bought a Honda got a Kawasaki. Well, I don't know if it was right. <laughs> I just reached out and you know the key is Father's watching, watching, always watching. See his eyes or hearts are turned towards him. So I don't know what to do, Lord, but reach out and pray. I want to love on this man. Father, heal his ribs in Jesus' name. He loves you, man. Robin. Robin. I mean, how do I remember his name? It's Robin. Heal him. Show him your love. Pour out your spirit in his life. Give him your life, Father, in Jesus' name. Oh, Joyce, thanks, man. Okay. Now off you went. Well, that never happened like that before, Lord. Did I pray the right way? Did I say the right prayers? Maybe I should have prayed like three times, spat in his eyes. I don't know. (laughs) Son, yeah? Did you hear me? Yeah? Did you step out in faith? Yeah? That's all I asked you to do, son. Leave it to me. All right. Well done, Ashley. Good boy, three-year-old. You're learning. There's a 2kg. Tomorrow we're going to do two and a half. You know? Just the other day, I get all through the week, something fairly significant that I've been seeking the Lord in. So again, I went on another fast right through the week. Not hungry. Guys, grasp this. It's When I've done this before, when the focus was for outcome, I was starving in my fasting. The fasting couldn't go fast enough. <laughs> But the focus is not on the outcome. The focus is on my Father's heart. I want you. I want to know the reality of you in my life. The strength, the knowledge of the power and the wisdom of God formed in me. Three days. Four days. On the fourth day. And on the, in the evening of the, of the third day, I felt like, ah. Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this, I've done enough now. And he gave me a vision. I saw runners running down a, a hundred meter sprint, but I'd been running around the track and they're on this final stretch. And he just said to me, finish the race. Finish the race. Now listen to your message. Finish the race. <laughs> finish the race. I knew he was talking about the fasting. Finish the race. Go through to the end of the week. All right. Got up in that morning and just on my knees. I'll chuck the piece of paper away. Those verses, James and Peter, humble yourself. Fasting is about bringing the physical into submission to the spirit. I will humble myself before you, Father. And a place of humility on my knees before him, I just broke. Something in me snapped. Weeping, weeping. I just want to know you, Father. Closer and closer to you. Some of those old hymns, Nearer my God to thee, mean something. I want to be near to you. Something broke. And he just spoke to me. He says, it's all right, son. You're free. You're free. Fat to face something the following day. And I knew that he'd spoke to me. He said, you will not be rocked. And when I faced the situation, it wasn't comfortable at all. It's funny, I was, I was 
actually supposed to meet with somebody during that day and wanted to talk through going into this meeting, but that didn't happen. And I was thinking, oh, well, Lord, it's you and me. Yeah, exactly. That's how it needs to be. No one else. You and me. You will not be rocked. I went to that meeting, and I'm not saying it was all... Um, when he said you will not be rocked, to me meant you'll be not knocked off your pedestal. I'm not saying that the meeting wasn't... There wasn't emotion. There wasn't um, confrontation in it. I'm okay. I know through a revelation from him that my feet are on the solid rock of my foundation. Whatever happens out of this, I'm okay in you, Lord. It's fine. Where did that come from? It came from a place of brokenness and humility and seeking him and crying out for him, being prepared to do what I know. I know you know what to do, son. And in that he spoke to me. And the freedom comes in the middle of this. And it's all right. And on Saturday, some guy comes up. Oh, bro, can you help us out? My daughter's in hospital with heart problems, you know, and you know, I've got no money to fill up with petrol. <clears throat> can you help us out with a little bit of money for petrol at the supermarket? This head goes, scam. <laughs> the life of God says, listen. Listen, mm, means I've got to give money. Gold and silver, have I none? Yes, you do. <laughs> Gold and silver and cash, I have I none. <laughs> Her name's Nirvana. She's got two stents and a heart. She's in, in the hospital. Story, story, story. <laughs> What's the spirit saying? If any of you has a shirt and a brother comes to him and you don't give it to him, you say, bless you, pal, on your way, then what good is that? What good is your religion? Let me deal with the outcome. I'm searching your heart. Are you listening to me? All right, Lord. Yeah, okay, go get your car and, and I'll meet you over there. Got his car, came up. He got out and says, what's your, what's your daughter's name? Nirvana. It's heaven spelt backwards. Really? It's tattooed on his arm. Really? Yeah. Let me tell you about heaven. <laughs> I said, I'm going, I, want to, I just really want to pray for you. I want to pray for your daughter. I'll put some, I'll put some money in your, in your car and your fuel in your tank. No, I want to lay hands on you. I want to pray for you, man. God loves you. He wants us to love on people with the same love that's been lavished on me that I can lavish on others. Prayed. And released. I said, look, there's another guy. He'd start telling me, oh, you know, I've been out of prison seven years. I've been clean. I said, this is awesome, man. God wants to set us free of every prison, not the ones that are physically behind bars, but in here. He loves you. Here, write this in your thing. Todd White, Google him. Listen, you'll identify with him. Let him, let God speak to you. Yeah, bro, thanks, man. (laughs) Gone. I don't know if he was scamming me. I believe that God was working in his life. That much I know. Eh? I, yeah, that's what I mean. So I knew God was working in his life. But what I do know is that the God was working on mine. And was I in a place of humility to submit to him? Without the brokenness, this head is screaming loud. Scam! Sorry, Paul, no money. <laughs> With the brokenness, the silence, 
silenced, silenced. Understanding begins in the heart and I'll hear the Spirit speaking. Will you stop a moment and listen? What is Father saying? What is the Spirit saying? Okay, take a step of faith. You see, the children of Israel didn't enter in to his rest, even though they were saved out of Egypt, brought the free, they couldn't enter in because they didn't add to what they believed with faith and enter in. He's called us, he's warning us, don't be like them in this new covenant, which is far more powerful. Remember, it's dealing with the inside of the bottle. It's you and me. Clean up, clean inside. To enter into that work is a much greater high priest offering because it was his blood because they didn't enter in with faith and he said they were disobedient. Hmm. That puts a different spin on it, which means they had every opportunity to be obedient. So the call for us is the whole thing about speaking about perhaps a spiritual discipline. Ask, Father, what spiritual discipline are you working on that you'd like to touch my heart about? may not be fasting, might be another one, but it may be fasting. I'd encourage you then to step in and trust that he'll do work. So, Father, I asked tonight just what is of you will have cemented in the heart and by the power of your spirit and your love drive the roots deep into love wrapped around the foundation the cornerstone Jesus Christ that the tree of life that's built within us grows and is unshakable because the root system is strong and robust held fast, grounded in love and built on the Apostle Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I don't know what to do, bro. Uh, some questions. Do we have questions? I'll jump the gun a bit there. Oh, yep, yep, maybe the questions. They have a discussion. Any questions? Can you remind me what the marriage is? Say again? Remind you what the marriage is calling us to be one with him, completely one with him.